the muscle system as an organ system contributes to endocrine responses uh, that are quite potent actually um, and medicinal right so exercise can access your internal medicine cabinet in quite profound ways and professionals uh, let alone consumers i don't think they really see it that way welcome to biz bonnie i'm your host keith shiman do you see an opportunity sports aesthetics it's a common place for the current consumer of exercise in the marketplace what about the people that just want to move better they don't even view themselves as an athlete nor do they even follow sports do you see that opportunity people leveraging their challenges rather than for reps sets time which it's nice to keep track of but their subjective sensations of feeling better even knowing what they even want to begin with what's their objective today we sit down with greg mack the founder of exerciseproed.com home of the muscle system specialist and his brick and mortar physicians fitness is in dublin ohio where he focuses on working with people and leveraging the muscle system to help people that are deconditioned have medical problems on medications and also joint problems which seems to be the majority of the population that's out there the people that are looking for help the people that can benefit from exercise the most so how do you dose it correctly that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today if you'd like to support the podcast make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review it really helps other people find the podcast and share it with anyone that you think it would benefit any exercise pros out there that you think it would help so with that being said i hope you enjoy the conversation with greg mack from exerciseproed.com greg thanks for joining me on the show today at bizbody how you doing Good. My pleasure to join you at BizBody, Keith. I appreciate the invite. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Now, Greg, you're a practitioner. You also have the exerciseproed.com, um, creator of the Muscle System Specialist course. Uh, you see and have been working in this industry, um, <laughs> you're giving it your heart and soul, um, and now creating this process there's a couple of questions that that have been popped up to the surface for for me and, and a lot of the other um, exercise professionals that I talk with. And um, there seems to be this opportunity gap for what exercise is currently used for, for what what it could be. And 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 we've talked about this before, where you know the the general population is using exercise for either or sports or um or for aesthetics but like when all of a sudden someone tells them that you're going to use exercise to feel better there seems to be like a, a disconnect and also a a disconnect for the practitioner and the client um can you talk to me a little bit about what you've noticed about that well, yeah, I think it's an interesting dilemma, and it's kind of wrapped up, as you said, that in you know this this idea that exercise is medicine, right? That exercise is somehow medicinal, um, you know, with the connotation that when you take exercise, like when you take a medicine, whatever ailment uh, taking that medicine, 
goes away, right? It's curative or symptom managed symptom management wise. And, and so um, I, I, I don't think that the, the modern consumer, let alone the professional thinks about exercise and its access to the neuromuscular system um, and its role in the endocrine process. I never hear anyone talking about that, right? That, that, that this idea that we can use exercise as, as a process, a stimulating process for the muscle system organ, let's say, um, and that the muscle system as an organ system um, contributes to endocrine responses uh, that are quite potent, actually, um, and medicinal, right? So exercise can access your internal medicine cabinet in quite profound ways. Um, and professionals, uh, let alone consumers, I don't think they really see it that way. Or, uh, no, no, I just want to clear this up for anyone that that is listening to this and, and maybe doesn't fully understand like the endocrine versus autocrine versus paracrine system and how those chemicals can affect the whole entire organism, right? Because like muscle in itself can release different types of chemicals that can act on itself or act on its surrounding tissues that can have really amazing benefits or when over, when it's overworked can go a different way. At least my right. understanding. Well, yeah. So, um, injured injured cells, right? Uh, cells that have lost their integrity, or uh, there's been a strain on the cell, uh, or a complex of cells. Yeah, they, they will produce a different chemistry than um, a chemistry where they are simply stimulated within their in integral capabilities um, and produce myokines uh, that are significantly contributing to human health. I mean, you know, this, this is why exercise is so incredibly potent. Um, you can access leverage, uh, and dose it properly. Yeah. Dosing. And, yeah. Dosing is, you know, ultimately the, the key to this, uh, and generally, you know, people underdose or they overdose, right. They, they want to, you know, they think some exercise is good. The most exercise is better. Right. Mm. And so uh, then they start injuring themselves and, and injuries create nasty, chronic and acute inflammatory processes um, that are not healthy you know, for, for you necessarily, uh, let alone underdosing where they don't provide enough stimulation um, to generate these these internal medicinal properties uh, so that they really can you know, impinge on the human health. Um, of the individual. So uh, this is tough and measuring it, right, is probably the most difficult thing is how do you measure whether or not uh, an exercise stimulation is producing, you know, an endocrine response that's positive uh, for the, you know, for the individual. So then that leads me right into this idea of throughout your career, you spent countless countless hours in metrology being able to measure certain things now what you now hand in a 
in a binder towards people to to help them understand the metrology that you use that's specific to a, a human interaction and organism to find out the correct timing and dosing of the exercise can you can you explain that process a little bit well yeah it's 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 a difficult uh, issue because you know this is biochemistry in a sense um and you know if you're going to if you're going to see whether or not the biochemistry is is changing in some direction you, you got to draw blood you know, you got to get bodily fluids right and so you know no exercise professional has that in their generally speaking in their license or certification scope of practice they, they can't be drawing blood and taking saliva samples you know and not, other, not that you know of right now <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, after every exercise session and say oh okay you know look, look what's happened you know you're, you're we've changed your we've changed your you know myokine level or your inflammatory markers are down now right so this is tricky and even that takes weeks to get results back you know when yeah. you get a when you get a blood test so i was always looking for you know what is something a little bit more practical a little bit more utilitarian you know in the field um and what kind of feedback would an organism give me if it was if it was accepting the stimulus and the dose um and in that acceptance uh, was was most likely producing the internal chemistry that promoted um function and health in in, in what's interesting is that um in doing so, where I was coming from, it was uh, like the late um, or the early 2000s, late 90s, where it was like FMS, um, like a Mike Clark screen, where those were the basic assessments, along with um, if someone brought a DEXA or some sort of um, report of their materials, like uh, if they had a, something going on with a disc or uh, like a, a knee a knee problem. Um, to to be able then to sort of formulate this exercise process so as you're going through this now this is so much different than what is normally practiced so i, I mean explaining the, the the pieces of that like you said with versus looking at an internal chemistry to a mechanical uh, point of view is way different than anything i ever saw before yeah well, yeah, I mean, if I finally concluded that really the three most important interactions um, for me and what I do from a scope of practice perspective and exercise and, and motor output and motor control and all that stuff um, was that the subjective sensation, the, the subjective experience of the client, which is metrologically speaking, not quantifiable is the most important thing right mm. is the way they feel in their body and the way they experience their body and their health and and express that was was ultimately what they were hiring me to change mm. even though i could measure force output or torque or um, pressure changes or girth or symmetry and circumference measurements right and all these things that we that we will do um, for the most part, they could have cared less about whether or not their right upper thigh and their left upper thigh were perfectly circumferentially matched symmetrically, and that um, I've increased the torque of their right elbow flexors and left elbow flexors 
Um, if they still don't feel good, mm. it doesn't matter to them. It simply doesn't. To them. To, to them. them. And which, that's what this, which that's is, what all this about. is all about. Yeah, that's what this all is about. all about, right? Well, it's, it's, all it's, about. it's also checking in. It, and what's really interesting, though, is that is the bottom line. Although, in order to get to that bottom line, the checks and balances of what you put more weight into are so different than anything else that, that I'd ever use on the exercise side. And, and there are some components of it that are similar to, to other things. Hmm. Although checking in with, with um, someone's subject, subjective experience holds a weight, holds a completely different weight in my estimation now than ever had, there were still other pieces of that, like the circumferences and torque differentials and standing versus supine alignment, all these different things that, that I imagine would help with reconciling uh, checks and balances system for yourself to know what moves are next. Correct. Yeah. The, the, and this is the difficult problem that exercise professional, any practitioner faces when dealing with, you know, the complex system of the human, the human body is the sensations that the client is reporting um, and, 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 find meaning and understanding in that. And so you do need some quantifiable or some other measurements and observations to help inform uh, your interpretation and understanding of, of why they're saying what they're saying or experiencing what they're experiencing. And so that's, that's the motor output part, right? And, and, in in my, you know, brief foray into looking at, you know, neuroscience and neurophysiology and as an amateur, you know, looking at that stuff um, from a complex systems and information processing paradigm, uh, I started to realize that, wait a second, uh, it looks like just about everything about you uh, as a, as a grown congressant living being in, in an environment is there service your ability to move and control yourself in space at some level mm -hmm. because axiomatically the most the most you know fundamental notion right is this idea of survival right you know every living creature supposedly has this built-in um, survival mechanism. It will do whatever it's got to do to try to stay alive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so if that's really the case, uh, then your ability to move environment uh, is fundamental to your survival because as soon as you can't move anymore, you're going to die. Unless, unless you got a lot of people around you can move to do what? Bring you water bring you food, go get the stuff you need, right? As a thermodynamic system to fuel yourself, right? And, 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 and also your neuromodulator system that completely is dependent upon your movement. It's all part of that process, right? Everything has this, this value. And so then it just becomes a matter of, okay, well, how well does someone feel they move? you know, from, from their own internal perspective and sensation of the way they control their body and feel in it when they move or hold positions. 
which is a very important thing as well is not moving. Um, and how, how far away they feel they are from what they would like to feel, right? Mm -hmm. um, putting together a montage of doing an advanced course in Austin um, on all the different ways people move, right? I, I got a video clip of, you know, one of these ninja warriors, you know, just, you know, flying through one of these crazy mazes, right? So you, um, and it was, it's a video yeah. of you. Not me, right? And so it's like, okay, so that's how this person moves. Does everyone have to move that way to survive? Is that the goal? Is everyone has to move in, in that kind of way? And then I've got, um, you know, a clip of 90-year-olds in the, in the uh, geriatric Olympics sprinting, you know, 100 yards or whatever, 100 meters. And the way they move when they, when they do that. And so not everybody is going to move the same way or needs to move the same way because some of that has risk. And so, again, we get back to the individual and trying to figure out, well, how do you want to move and what do you need from your capabilities of movement? What do you want to be able to do? Uh, and then we can start to understand, uh, one, where they are through assessment, so we can kind of do a means ends analysis and figure out, well, how far away are they from where they want to be? And then what would it take, right? Let alone the expectations and the reality of, of that. I'm not going to take an 80 year old and, and, and have them, you know, move like a 20 year old through a ninja, you know, warrior obstacle course. Well, you're, you're mentioning something that, that I completely it's not gonna, took for it's not gonna happen. Well, you're, you're talking about something that I completely took for granted through the young part of my career, which is that I had this fundamental idea of what everybody wanted out of the experience with me, of which was completely, you know, I, it was one of the reasons I, I, I kept on slamming my head against the wall with understanding what people really wanted. And until I went through the process in your course to be able to flush out the fundamental objective and understand means and strategic objectives in, in, in a specific order and process so that I have a better understanding of what somebody else wants uh, along with what I can even provide and seeing if that's a, a match that would, that never happened before for me. And that was one of the first times and that was 2013 that that happened. Right. And, and, um, this being a part of the muscle system specialist, being able to flush out objectives so that you're on the same page with another person and then the construction from there after the invitation to even start becomes uh it was such a big piece for for my own personal um practice puzzle so like the idea of the specifics of that assessment process and getting to that process off of the fundamental objective um how many different pieces of data are you really even taking? There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of data to be collected, um, e even under kind of the restraints of what I want to see from a movement and body control and sensory feedback experience from that against the backdrop of the material side, which is that third sphere is, you know, why, why can't a 90-year-old move like a 20-year-old, right? Why? What's wrong? What happened? Mm -hmm. Uh, their materials changed. That's what happened. 
right? And I'm talking about bone material, ligament material, nerve material, skin material, right? Tendon material. These materials have undergone significant changes, which, which influence the way their system works and, and how much they can, you know, draw from it to, to move. And so these things have to be considered um, as part of the decision process. And, and, and that was the other, you know, the other thing. And I probably got a lot of that from my engineering training, you know, when I'm operating, you know, a primary nuclear power plant and we want to start it up from cold. Well, how do you start a nuclear power plant cold? That I would have no idea. Right. And so how would you start it if we kept it in hot standby? What do we do? And so when we get on the sub, we're like, okay, we want to get the nuclear power plant up to, you know, some minimum power output. What's the first thing we do? Because the order mattered. Hmm. We couldn't just skip steps. You know, when I started a steam generator, I couldn't just go, hey, here's the switch, turn it on. I had to go through a whole series of sequential steps to get this thing in a state where I didn't break it. And it could start producing, you know, electromagnetic power, right? Um, and so I brought that into this process is, you know, where do I start with somebody? Because if I don't have some way to discern that, well, then you could start anywhere. And who cares? And why does it matter? Yeah. And then I realized that most people were starting exercise in a very biased way. They just had this intense bias about what should be done first for everybody. And that's highly problematic because that's when you start injuring people and giving them experiences that they don't like. Or well, that the, they don't that dosing. Like. Yeah. We talked about before with the dosing, it's like the dosing's way off. The positions are all wrong. And in, in the, the greatest opportunity for how someone could actually feel with the right dosing. I don't know if many people have ever experienced. Maybe not. Yeah. You know, may, maybe not. Um, and it's interesting because I work with a lot of people who are exercisers and, uh, and then I start giving them the way I exercise and dose them. And it's so often less volume or intensity than they're expecting. You know, I say, look, I just want you to do this one thing, the way we constructed it for 30 seconds, twice a day till I see you again. And that's all. And they're like, that's all. Shouldn't I do it for like a, three sets of 20 or something. No, we don't want to do that right now. Right. Um, and, and so this is a very difficult thing because again, the bias in exercise now is work hard, sweat hard, burn more calories per minute squared. Right. For, for like, for like 8% of the population. Yeah. For if I work harder, right. Yeah. For those people who want to exercise, if I'm going to, if I'm going to exercise, I'm going to kill myself doing it. Right. Um, or whatever it is. Or the other side is, if I'm going to exercise, boy, I don't like it very much. I'm going to do the minimum because I don't want to feel any discomfort in my in my body. Which is so the majority. Can, yeah, they don't like feeling their heart, you know, thumping real hard. Uh, they don't like feeling all sweaty and hot. They don't like, you know, ischemia, the, 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 the sensation of ischemia in their muscles. They don't like that. Or any sensation I, at all. And I need to know that, right? Mm. So I'm like, hmm, okay, we're going to have to work with this, uh, even though they still come with, yeah, but I got this problem I want you to solve. I, ha I have a sensation I don't like that I want removed. 
okay, so how am I going to use exercise and the stimulation of their neuromusculoskeletal tendon endocrine system to see if I can influence that sensation in some way and their ability to move? With their bias saying they hate exercise. They hate it. They don't want to do it. Just, I just had a client today. She don't like it. She don't want to do it. You know, now, what's motivating her? Chronic sensation she don't like. Chronic pain, yeah. That yeah. no one's been able to really help her with. So, this those, is, so that's the, that, that circles yeah. back to your original question about the opportunity gap, right? What's the opportunity gap here? Um, if you know what you're doing and you know how to screen out situations you shouldn't be dealing with as an exercise professional. So you need exclusion criteria. But if you have a good inclusion criteria um, through exercise alone, you don't, need, you don't need passive stretching. You don't need eye interferesis. You don't need ultrasound. Uh, you don't need thermal uh, interventions or rubber thumping devices. You don't need any of that stuff. You actually can just use exercise to solve these problems. This blows most people away. Well, using exercise and your definition of exercise is uh, so much, so much different than most people along with an actual formed body view. Like as most people that I run into have no body view, especially practitioners that, that are specifically dealing with humans on, on, on a daily basis and the materials and understanding those materials, um, to aid just in the construction of decision-making in itself along with the idea of the pieces of exercise that are even possible um, before before doing the muscle system specialist i would think of um, doing repetitions not doing a petition and in that petition being okay can you control this shortening angle can you control this still holding still or you can you control this angle getting larger like I, I that was a, a concept that i that i knew about but i would rarely apply it just in the, in just a broad system and it can get way more um in depth than that but as an overview um just thinking about the components of exercise and what what goes right past the opportunity for most practitioners is like well let's just do this leg extension, leg curl, or the machines are bad. And they, they just completely go into these pockets of discussion that just seem to be completely irrelevant because there's so much more underneath that. What parts of exercise are you seeing that most people are just going right past? Well, one is can't based on how you as the professional want to pre-construct the petition, the first, the first action. So that's, you know, the way you build it in your head, right? So this is the hermeneutical approach to the process. So it's one thing for you to have in your head, how it's supposed to go, let alone communicate that to, you know, this other person who has no idea about all the detail in your head about how it's supposed to go, and that you might transfer five percent of that to them in words and showing them you know do it like this right and they go they look and then they have to interpret that you know the way they they think about it and then they execute it and now 
you're in this process of, did they do it the way I pre-constructed? Yes or no. Um, if they couldn't, does that matter? How did they feel about the way they did it? Because before they did it, they had to construct it in their mind first. I guess this is what he wants me to do. This is how errors are established, right? Hmm. We have this idea of what we want. That's the, that's the ideal. And then we do it. And then we reconcile this and go, oh, that wasn't even close. Error. We just, did, we just had an error, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's an error. So if someone can't even do it in, in a way that we can both agree is a good way to do it, which is the first petition, how could you possibly ask them to do more and repeat it? What is it that you want them to repeat? Well, especially with a negative sensation or sensation that somebody doesn't want with it, with an estimation that this exercise thing from the very first time that they were exposed to it, chances are for physical education or whatnot was still designed to give them sensations they don't enjoy or work them towards an identity that, that, or a role more about the role that they probably confuse as an identity, uh, who, who they are not. Yeah. Quite challenging. I mean, so many assumptions um, biases and 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 preconceived notions um, feed into how exercise is done. It's just it's alarming, right? We're we're fortunate that the system can be as forgiving as it is um, when we're making errors and mistakes with with how it how it goes, right? So uh, that's that's something to be said about the body, uh, not the not the professional. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and so, uh, yeah, this idea of how an exercise is even conceived of, right? Because I think I ask a question in the course, what validates any exercise? Right? Mm -hmm. and, and how many double-blind randomized clinical control trials have been done to validate internally or externally that a bench press builds up and hypertrophies and strengthens your pectoralis muscle? How many? None, none, there's none, you know? And so it's like, well, wait a second. Um, uh, it seems like a lot of the way exercise is prescribed is based on historical anecdote. Yeah. Right. Than anything else. At least knowing what is anecdote and being able to assess a, a path forward and, and make heads or tails of the data that's being presented and also fine tuning the instruments of each trial that that is putting together the process of helping that individual that you're that you're choosing to take responsibility with in in a professional um, relationship it, there there seems to be very few processes around it other one other than the one I've experienced through your course and that's and that brings me back full circle as you know having a, a, a full outline on how to create a relationship, understanding where that relationship is going, taking that into an assessment that is based around data points that, that can help somebody that is experiencing a, a negative sensation because a majority of people that are seeking help um, either want to feel better, but they're, they're, they're maybe looking to become healthier because sometimes people want to feel healthy um, or be more healthy. I mean, even think about that. What does that mean? Yeah. How does someone know they feel healthy? Yeah. You know, you know, when I ask someone, how do you know you feel well? 
And most of the time they tell me because I don't have any sensations I don't like. Yeah. That's the definition of wellness that yeah. you don't have sensations you don't like anymore. Hmm. Okay. Well, well I, again, I, run, I run into that or because I can do everything that, that I want in the day well and recover, right? Like, yeah, right. like I've had that too. So and I'm like, well, in it, but that's still, and, and that is still the, the minority of people that are just cramming through exercise and the majority of people that could really benefit from the proper stimulus to hold on to their, their contractile ability or their muscle for a lifetime or as long as they can, which is why they move. Right? That's, why move. that's why we focus on the muscular system is ultimately that's the place all the information the system is generating is converging onto these these motor units these these muscles you know to tell them how to change the joint angles or whether to change them at what rate to change them and whether to not change them and what the conditions are and so the muscle the, the, the muscle in, in, in some senses, like the what, what Sherrington called the final common pathway in a sense, right? Like everything is converging on um, that idea of what are you, you want your muscle to be contracted or relaxed? Because if you can't relax the muscle or get it to a state of non-contraction, that is a huge problem too. Yeah. That's why Huntington's Parkinson's, right? That's why, that's why these are problematic, right? Because you can't not contra contract your muscle. Well, that's a control problem just as much as if not more than your ability to, to contract your muscle when you want it to contract and change or maintain a joint angle under condition. So yeah, the understanding of that as a complex system um, is missing. Uh, Exercise is primarily names of movements names of kinematical things to do and so people are too sore to continue if there's a construct that has put my previous experience into perspective um with any more detail than yours um i i have yet to find it and that's why i'm so appreciative especially with this um this interview of saying that my relationships with my clients, understanding what they want, putting a viable assessment together that, that helps me find a better starting point, how to build, construct exercises that are appropriate at each point in time so I make better decisions and build lasting relationships with my clients that matter along with understanding how to take care of my own body and my own needs was all a part of your course of which I'm eternally grateful well thanks i appreciate that i'm certainly glad and and uh that it's helped you you know that's the point right yeah yeah so if anyone out there is looking for a completely different system to augment their practice as an exercise professional or you're looking to shift gears to become an expert problem solver go over to exerciseproed.com and check out the muscle system specialist course you will love it Yep. Yeah. And there, there's some free stuff. There's a PDF file you can download with kind of summarizes the philosophy um, and how some of our methods emerge from that. That's, that's something I, I tell people to start with. We got some one day courses um, that, that we have available as well. So, um, and some online courses other than the muscle system specialist course. So there's a bunch of stuff over there. We have the exercise explorers club, 
you know, where you can get a lot of information uh, that we post on the on the various subjects. So lots of, lots of things for you to look at. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you again for joining me, Greg, and I look forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, Keith. Thank you. 